0: Welcome to the USF Oracle Sports Podcast,
1: where we talk sports with some of USF's best athletes, coaches, and all-around great human beings.
0: My name is Nolan Brown.
1: And I'm Hannah Halili.
0: Let's get into it. Well, everyone, it's done. Uh, You don't have to watch it anymore. You You can turn your eyes away. You can turn your eyes away from the score all you want. It's done. It's over with. It's in the past usf uh, lost yesterday we're recording this on sunday the day after the uh, the aftermath if you will um usf lost pretty heavily to notre dame 52 to nothing um the worst loss actually in program history but yeah it was uh it was messy it was ugly it was gross at times um but i think just looking into it really jeff scott said something at the press conference at the end of the game, he said, "You know, we got we got time to figure things out." And I think so too. I mean, yeah, it's an it's an ugly loss, but at the end of the day, USF is still one and one in the season. So, um, yeah, as always, I'm joined by uh, our uh, staff writer Hannah Lily, and we're also joined by two of our correspondents here, um, who are starting out with the Oracle, uh, Matthew. I'm not even going to attempt to say your last name. I'm so sorry I screwed You're it up good. earlier.
2: You're fine. Nope.
0: No worries. But Matthew, yeah, if you just want to introduce yourself a little bit.
2: My name is Matthew. I'm a senior here at USF. I'm a management major, and I'm also a high school football coach at King High School.
0: Cool. Well, we're really happy to have uh, Matthew on the team, and we also have Richard as well, Richard Silva. Um, Richard, if you just want to give a little introduction.
3: Hey, how are you guys? Um, I'm obviously Richard Silva. I'm from New York, and I'm a junior at USF.
0: Cool. Yeah. Well, we're uh, we're happy to have you both on the team, and we're happy to get you both on the pot as well. And uh, really, we just want to break down this whole game. I mean, how it went. Um, you know, we're not really going to get too much into stats and whatnot; those are all out there for you to see. But just really the kind of reactions to it. And and like I said, really, I mean, just now that I think about it, I mean, the whole time watching that game, I'm like, damn, this is just. Ugly. This is nothing's going right. Basically, Notre Dame is is running all over them, li- quite literally running over them, um, and then just putting up a brick wall in defense. And USF at times were beating themselves up, but I just can't help but uh, you know harken back to that sort of point that that Jeff Scott made. It's like you know what we we just got to keep moving forward from it. And I feel like looking last year at that Wisconsin game, the uh, first game of the season. That was ugly, too, but that was deep in the entirely strong era, and, you know, at that point, it was like, okay, well, you you have to have done something already, but I don't know. I mean, a lot of people are comparing these games. I don't see it. What do you guys think?
1: I wasn't here last semester, so I should have paid attention to it, but, um, I don't know. The game in general, it was very messy, and it was very hard to watch, but, um, I think it just showed stuff to the coaches about things that they could work on. You know, like Jeff Scott did say after the game in press conferences that it's disappointing, and he kept saying that it was disappointing and they just have a lot to work on, and they kept reiterating the fact that they're just going to use this and their film just to look back at it and keep moving forward, like Nolan said. And, you know, it showed a lot of things that they needed to work on for sure.
3: Yeah, I agree, and I think comparing it to the Wisconsin game is like, I don't know, like you said, I don't really see it because the Wisconsin game. It was into the Charlie Strong era already. This is only Jeff Scott's second game. So, I mean, like Hannah just said, it shows them a lot. And Notre Dame is the, what, they were the seventh-ranked team in the country. Maybe after the thumping that they gave USF, they'll move into the top five. But, yeah, I don't see the the similarities all that much.
2: It's it's really hard to... uh... Really prepare for a game like Notre Dame when your game before was a cupcake against the Citadel. You know, there's a lot of like, there's not really a lot of cons to that game. But when like you look back and you look back one week and you try to prepare for the next week, and there's just not really a whole lot to say, okay, this is what we need to fix by Notre Dame because this was a big problem, there just was not any of that just because they stood out so much more than the Citadel. And so preparing for teams like Notre Dame you you really need that experience and you really need to see what are the actual holes that this team has and I think that losing to Notre Dame now is going to be very helpful for the rest of the season because now they see every problem that they have like in front of them and as the season goes along they can easily fix that rather than winning you know two or three games right now going 3-0 4-0 and then just losing the next
0: Yeah, that's an interesting point. I had a friend of mine actually uh, send me a message after the game, and he was like, you know, you're playing Notre Dame, the second game of the season. What are you going to expect? I mean, like, I know that they were super hyped for it. They were super into it. Um, Going Obviously, you go into any game thinking, hey, you know what? We have a shot, or else you might as well not play the game at all. But that's the point. I mean, you go into Notre Dame, you're going into their own home, basically. I mean, they're 20 games unbeaten. Now they're 20 games unbeaten. Um, What do you think was going to happen? And I don't know. For me, I think this was kind of by design and also by like accident in a way. Obviously, with everything with the scheduling, um, a lot of things, especially that Texas game that was supposed to be played, um, didn't get to happen. You know, that Nevada game, things like that. This game was kind of, oh, hey, you know, we'll take this. We'll throw this on our schedule, and then we'll see what we can do. But also, I think, like you were saying, Matthew, it's sort of a a, a kind of a, a way to gauge where your team is at right away in the start of the season. I mean, like, you know, get your ass handed to you in the second game and, and not in the middle of the season when, you know, you're in form whatnot. I see that. I can kind of see the merit of that. It's It sets like a benchmark of, of where you need to be going forward into that season and I mean obviously they they played a fantastic team too and especially if you want to look at their quarterback as well Ian Book I mean what an incredible sort of performance from him and and really just an all-around cohesive unit really with that offensive line he had so much time to look and he had so much time to see you know who was open what options were open and really that's the the points of USF that have kind of been Uh, a week, really, in the past couple of of seasons is their offensive line and their quarterback. They haven't really sort of nailed that down. And seeing that from this team, the line can do. Let's make a note of this. Let's make a note of this going forward.
1: I think it's interesting, too, because we have to remember that they are playing Notre Dame two more times. And... Even though it was a very big blowout, at least they start at a point where there's so much room for improvement. You know, the next time we play them, even if we score one touchdown or even get, like, a field goal, it's still improvement that we got there. So, yeah, they pretty much have everything wrong with wrong that they need to fix in front of them. So at least they can gauge kind of what they need to fix, and it'll show and if they get better.
3: Um. I wanted to add, to. I heard Jeff Scott say this. I wasn't sure if it was in his media availability or in one of the postgame press conferences. It's he said he actually liked going from the Citadel to the Notre Dame in weeks one and two because, you know, Citadel is an FCS appoint, uh, opponent. And then you go into Notre Dame, into a top 10 schools stadium. Everyone else you play in during the season is going to be in between that. It, you got the weakest and the strongest in the first two weeks. So I, I think that's important.
2: Yeah, um, and on top of that, it's kind of difficult to really look at how well this team is when there were so many injuries. Uh, losing Antonio Greer in the first half, not having Boyles, uh, not having Darian Felix, um, not having two starting offensive linemen. So that's that's really, really difficult. Um, and that those running backs were getting killed all day by that defensive line. A lot of tackle for losses. I think it was 14. So, I mean, when you when you have that many players out, it's kind of hard to expect to perform well, even when it's against someone like Notre Dame.
0: Yeah, and that's something that some people really, um, honestly, when they look at this game in a vacuum, they kind of seem to forget about the injuries that you had. Or even, you know, in weeks going forward, you're going to have that unavailable list. Um, this week, it was seven players. Last week, it was 12 you know, kind of the luck of the draw, really, it's like, it's almost like poker, you got to play with the cards that you're dealt with. And, you know, whoever you have available is who you have to work with. And I mean, USF didn't have its playmakers in that game, it didn't have its defensive players, defensive stalwarts, really, I mean, when your two linebackers aren't there consistently um, going at it, you're going to have some trouble too, again, especially against, you know, one of the best offensive teams that this team has probably ever seen in a long time, basically, probably since that Wisconsin game, honestly. But yeah, I mean, it's a, uh, like, like we said, it's a, it's a benchmark um, kind of, you play the first team of the season is an FCS school. I mean, there are no walk in the park really. I mean, if you look at what uh, the Citadel did to Clemson this week, they held them scoreless in the second half. Sure. They lost 49, nothing, but they held them scoreless in the second half. and, that's a feat on its own. I mean, it's not like, you know, you pick some random FCS school and you said, you know what? Yeah, let's go with that. And then you go and play Notre Dame the next week. So, but yeah, I mean, it is kind of a benchmark. And I think uh, uh, defensive coordinator Glenn Spencer really summed it up. He said, We're, we went from a, a dirt road to the highway, basically, when when we played this game. And that's the truth. I mean, going forward, you got FAU the next week. That's somewhere in the middle. I mean, in our prediction podcasts that we had, that was pretty much a toss-up in my books. I mean, it could go USF's way. It, it really depends, honestly. It's so hard to judge this team where it's at because of all those injuries and because of the, the opponents that you played. I mean, they're all so different.
1: I like that you mentioned the dirt road and highway reference. I was going to say that, Nolan. But, you know, like you said, with FAU next week, they definitely got – Hit in the head with what they need to fix something i noticed a lot was that they weren't finishing their tackles they weren't wrapping up so that's something that they can fix moving forward and at least they are seeing it now so they can improve that for future games and you know it's going to be a rough a rough comeback but at least this isn't against us it's not in our conference so that i'm an optimistic as we all know so i think they're gonna they're gonna do good i think it was I think it was KJ sales post-conference and he was at, he said, you know, we have a loss, but after this, you know, I know we're just going to do good. Um, We still have no fear going against any other team. So it's going to be interesting to see how they come back from this.
2: Anything to add guys or no? Yeah, I'll add some. Um, Yeah. the. On top of what you said about the FAU game being a toss-up, um, FAU is pretty athletic. And, you know, with what Hannah said, just the run game killing us too, FAU has got a great run game. Memphis has a great run game. Uh, UCF has a great run game. And these these teams are going to be very, very dangerous. And that's honestly probably the biggest hole, um, at least from what I saw, was just our run defense since I've been here at this uh, USF I've noticed that the run defense has always struggled a little bit. Um I know our defensive coordinator just came from FAU, so I'm sure that he'll have a pretty good uh idea of what they're going to do and what we're going to see. But, you know, it's it's still kind of nervous. Uh when you know that Boyle's is hurt and when you know that Greer was hurt and didn't come back and hopefully they'll get some practice time because if they're not in if they're not practicing by at least Thursday that's probably a no-go.
1: I think we're going to have a similar situation where you know this week with Notre Dame um, Charlie Weiss Jr. was interviewed by NBC just talking about his experience before and with his dad at Notre Dame and you know next week we're going straight back to FAU so he might have like a little bit of a deja vu moment so it'll be interesting to see that as well.
0: Yeah even Glenn Spencer too Um, you know it's that's kind of the advantage of USF, uh, taking those two coordinators from FAU. But at the same time, FAU is probably going to switch everything up. I mean, the two coordinators that they brought in to replace them going to be completely different, really. And I, I haven't really looked at FAU yet. I haven't even you know, begun to kind of see what they're good at and everything. But um, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves uh, into that game. But it's interesting that against that Citadel team, they sniffed out that that option offense that they had. And honestly, I really wasn't expecting that. I thought the Citadel was gonna round up the score a little bit, uh, give USF a run for its money. As you said, Matthew, they're not good against the uh, against the run out or run offense. That's something that's been a, a struggle for USF for years, really. I mean, I remember last year against Navy, just watching that team come out of the gate just so explosive was it was really like well you know usf is uh, digging themselves a hole with each sort of play it's just navy really jumped on them and i was expecting that too against uh, the citadel but they handled that and then to see what notre dame did uh as with the past game was incredible too but with that rushing offense as well that i mean that was just tough for them to handle so I don't know. I think uh, seeing this many sort of rushing offenses uh, in the beginning of the season, maybe that'll prepare them for down the road when they go up against Navy or or other teams who play this sort of uh, rushing offense. But you got to learn from your mistakes, really. And that'll be the real test going forward is can you learn from from 52 to nothing?
1: Something I really hope that they learn from is, you know, how to long snap the ball and not put it over (laughs) um the head your head and you know that was i'm not gonna lie i laughed a little bit because i was like oh this is funny i just remember watching something like this last week only it wasn't us who lost the ball so i really hope that usf does improve from this and you know it definitely sucked i feel horrible for coach scott that definitely probably hurt but you know if anything if they're just as resilient as they say they are and they are you know amazing at just improving and looking at their um their tapes and everything then i think they could come back
0: yeah bouncing back to that uh that uh punt for a second that's something where usf has usually been good at is punting and kicking and all the stuff that's not related to really offense defense that's been the stalwart but um what really happened there? I mean, let's just kind of break that down. What do we think went wrong? Was it nerves? Was it just uh, you know slipping on the grass or something? What do you guys think?
3: I think a lot of the time its just it's like a snowball effect and things just go from bad to worse. And it was sort of like icing on the cake. like I was watching the game, whatever the score was thirty five nothing, forty two, nothing. And I just see the ball go over the punter's head, and I'm like, oh, like it like I said, just icing on the cake, what what else is gonna go wrong?
2: Yeah, I work with uh, long snappers a lot, and there's always that. I mean, most of the time it's just like a slip-up usually, but, I mean, the mental game just plays a huge role, especially uh, this past Saturday when you're down so much and just things are not going your way. It's like, I guess I'll just go out there and do whatever I got to do and then just get off as fast as I can. And um, I think that's what really was going through their mind. They were just so stressed out, just struggling to – to just do anything right, and it kind of messed up, messed with them mentally. But I mean, sometimes it can, it can literally be anything. Slip of the ball, just maybe he's just a bad snapper, you know. But I, I, I agree. I think it's more of a mental situation, at least for this past Saturday.
1: There is definitely some mental aspects to it, but correct me if I'm wrong. Does Notre Dame have a turf field? Because I remember Joey Knight tweeting out that um, the field was just messing up so many of the players. They kept slipping on it, so it could have that could have played a role into it. Um, Jeff Scott said after the after the game that their third string long snappers, like all of them, were just not there. But you know that shouldn't be an excuse anyway. You know, being in being that intimidated in a really big stadium like that plus not having all of your teammates and just not being used to the whole situation in general like everyone said it is a mental state that definitely kicked in
0: and i think that's interesting too is um with trent schneider who has been so like i said so crucial to usf i mean i can't remember which game it was last year but i think he had like a 65 yard punt i mean or i'm ballparking it but really his big boot was was the thing that that helped USF a lot and inadvertently kind of won that uh, that BYU game last year, just kicking it so far and and setting BYU up so far back. But I don't know. I I don't know if this game will kind of hurt his confidence because um, Jeff Scott said it. You know, he wanted he didn't want Trent to go back out there. That's why we saw uh, backup punter Kenny Scribner, and at one point we saw Jordan McLeod too uh, with a punt. So. I, I don't I don't know what that'll do to his confidence. Um, I'm sure you know, he's he's bouncing back from it or whatnot, and we'll see going forward. But just to to kind of take a take a really big um, mental hit like that, um, on you know TV in front of fans in front of thousands of fans. I mean, I'm, again, I'm not doubting uh, Trent Schneider, but just to see that sort of happen like such a, a, a player who's been really consistent kind of uh, really screw up really um i just don't know what that means for him going forward
3: i have hopes for him moving forward just because correct me if i'm wrong he is the uh he's 30 right i
0: think he's 29 29, 29. Yeah.
3: yeah close to it so hopefully he's a bit more mature than you know like a college kid or just a younger person because i don't know with age comes maturity so hopefully he could just shrug it off and keep it moving
2: I mean, that's one thing you got to have in this game is just a short memory. No matter what position you play, mistakes are going to happen. They happen all the time, even if your team is number one in the country. If you you throw an interception, fumble the football, miss a block, miss a tackle, or bad kick, you just have to completely forget about it and just go for the next play.
1: That reminds me of another thing Jeff Scott said after the game was he compared this to a rear view mirror. So... The way he was trying to explain it to his players is at six inches it's behind us it's still there and it's going to sting but our focus should be um at the window in front of us I forget the name of what's on a car I'm really bad with names and cars but that's windshield. Really the windshield that's what it's called oh my gosh but like their focus should be on the windshield so You know, like everyone said, there's mistakes that happen and they're going to have to learn from it and it's still going to be there. But I think as a team, they're going to do well, hopefully with Jeff Scott's coaching and emphasis on just moving forward. And, you know, along with that 24 hour rule last week, we saw Jeff Scott talk about their 24 hour rule and how they had that long to celebrate their win. And this time they have 24 hours to mourn over their loss and then they have to get back up and prepare for FAU next week.
0: Yeah, and. Hopefully that team buys into that 24-hour rule. Hopefully it wasn't that uh, just that first game and you're you know you're happy you got your first win and you know with the with the magnitude of this loss, maybe that'll sting for a little bit longer. But really, like we we're all saying, you just kind of got to push past that. Um, I want to talk about quarterbacks now because uh, obviously everyone wants to talk about quarterbacks and whatnot. But from what we saw. Not a great showing. We saw the same three quarterbacks that we saw last week. Very different results. Um, we saw a little spark, actually, from Noah Johnson in that second half. Um, got into the red zone for the first time. That looked like something was happening of it. And then, of course, uh, the pass breakup in, in the end zone. Not a good sign there. But where where does this team go? with quarterbacks now. I mean, obviously it's so hard to evaluate where everything is. You've only played two games, two vastly different teams really. And, you know, you got some time to, before you want to pick that starting role uh, for your starting quarterback. But really, if you're, if you're Jeff Scott, where do you go from here? Um, You know, you got Cade Fortin waiting in the wings. Hopefully he'll be available soon to play. Uh, We don't really know if uh, if it's COVID procedure or whatnot for him or injury or just suspension or whatever, again, we get that unavailable list and he's been on it two weeks in a row, but hopefully he will come back. But where, where do you go now that you're, if you're Jeff Scott?
1: Oh my gosh. My thoughts during the game. This is, this is exactly what I thought. Um, Jordan McLeod, his passes just aren't that strong. They're, they could be more, they're more accurate than Noah's, but they're not that strong. Nova Johnson has a better arm but not as accurate with the throws. And Nova's also a better rusher. So I feel like both people, both quarterbacks that we've seen that have the potential to start, they both give or take, and they both have their weaknesses and strengths that make up for each other. So it's very weird and complicated just to pick one to be the starter.
3: Yeah, and adding on to that is, you know, you see the competition between McLeod and uh, Johnson. But I'm really hoping and I'm excited for if Fortin gets a chance to play in the FAU game. Because, I mean, they, they have talented receivers. You know, St. Felix had a great freshman year. He struggled a bit last year. Hopefully this year, he goes back to his freshman year. Um, Trey Dukes looks great. They have Weaver. So they have receivers. It's just they don't really have anyone to get them the ball. I think there was twice I saw in the game where um, Devontae's Dukes was open, I think, 10, 15 uh, yards down the field. And I think McLeod missed him once. Uh, it was short. And I think Johnson overthrew him on a sideline uh, pass. So I'm hoping maybe Fortin will come in and be a little bit of a better passer, but
2: I don't know. Yeah, we have to wait to see what Fortin does. Uh right now, honestly, my my personal belief would be rolling with Johnson just because um you can teach accuracy. You can't teach uh physical talent. And McLeod is a is an accurate quarterback and he's it's like the experience he had last year with starting has helped him uh for this season, but four point six yards per attempt is just not not what you want to see out of your starting quarterback. Uh especially in in college where people are just pass happy with the spread offense throwing the ball downfield. You gotta have someone that can hit deep balls. And I mean, I know Noah Johnson, you know, was, was really inaccurate going four for twelve, but I think Weiss will be able to coach that up better than someone who just physically cannot throw a ball deeper
0: hmm. and really one thing we haven't seen from Cade fortin yet um we heard a lot about it and we saw some of it um if you look at back at his time at um north carolina he's got a cannon really i mean the guy has some some power to him and and you know keeping with that theme he could you know he could be taught accuracy if he's not you know accurate or whatever we haven't seen him play yet in fact we, we haven't seen him play in a couple of years um correct me if I'm wrong, but what did he red last year or he hasn't really played in a while. So having that, um, having that waiting in the wings and just a big question mark on that, maybe it'll kind of, uh, rejuvenate this quarterback room really. I mean, again, look at looking at it really, we're, we're game we're week two. I mean, you know, having quarterbacks, uh, saying they need to be rejuvenated. Is not really something that we should say really at this time? And it's more of yeah, just how are you going to get consistency going forward? I mean, McLeod played pretty well against the Citadel. Obviously, different, totally different team. But can he bounce back from from what he did at uh, at Notre Dame? And, and can can Johnson get you know a little more accurate? And once you get Cade Fortin in there, I think that'll kind of uh, you know increase the competition, making guys get better and and having them push to get better. Really.
3: I just wanted to ask a question to you guys and see what you thought. I know uh, Jeff Scott has said since the beginning of the season, he's going to use the first three games to decide who's going to be the quarterback. And then once conference play starts with Cincinnati, that's the guy they are rolling with. So, you know, foreign hasn't played in the first two. If he comes out in the FAU game and he does impress, do you think that the competition is wide open enough that he could get it? Or would the competition go past week four? Like, uh, unlike Scott has
1: been saying. I think it'll go past week four because last game with Citadel, we saw Noah Johnson really do some magic there. And then this week with Notre Dame, it wasn't as amazing as we all thought last week. So I think it'll have to take more than one game to really determine that.
2: Yeah, this talent gap is too small to really have someone stand out, at least as of right now. I think if Kate Fortin comes out and impresses, he'll definitely get a shot but I think it's going to be, it'd be him and then the other person who's impressed the most. And so I think it can cut down to two after the FAU game, but will it just be one guy? Probably not until, I want to say at least Temple.
0: Yeah, and I think, um, you know, having that sort of deadline be that Cincinnati game to find yourself a starter, it's putting a lot of pressure um, on the team. So I know Jeff wants to have a guy picked by then, but... Just not having Cade Fortin for those first two weeks that really hits um, hits hard. So, if he does impress against FAU, he might turn around and be uh, you know very inconsistent in the next game. So, obviously you got to get some good looks at at your quarterbacks in different situations and whatnot. So, I think that search goes on. Uh, honestly, it might take all season really. I may. I think we might see a kind of a committee, a quarterback committee, maybe just a revolving door of a, you know, who's uh, who's doing well. I don't know. I mean, it's going to be a, a challenge to figure out who's best for this job, especially in this COVID climate. But let's talk about something that that usually is is has been pretty well actually for the season, but just kind of got stuffed. Um, the The running game. Uh, we saw Kelly Joyner. Kelly Joyner has kind of taken that that sort of starting spot and. You know, he got stuffed against that defense. You're going up against a huge defensive line with Notre Dame. Um, but I think, you know, he has that skill, really. He's quick. He's super quick. Their backs are super quick. That's important to to, to remember with USF. And obviously, you still have Darren Felix waiting in the ring, wings. And Johnny Ford has just been a revelation so far. I mean, he's the one that picked up the most yards in in that game, ended up tripping over his own guy, but 42 yards, I mean, in a vacuum, not great, but in the context of the game, that's a pretty big deal for that. So is it a positive look? Do you think this is a, you know, obviously they got stuffed, but looking at these backs, do you think this is going to be uh, the, really the most important part of this offense?
1: I just want to say something real quick i just found out kelly joiners from my hometown so i didn't know that um he went to the high school that my high school is rivals with so all this time i was cheering for football and he i was literally watching him right there so um oh yeah i was gonna tell you that nolan but anyway you know i think i think i agree i think it's a positive you know it wasn't amazing but in the context of the game they did pretty well you know there's only room to grow it's just the second the second game of the season um it's just a matter of just keeping the holes open and letting them go for it.
3: I also thought I would have liked to see um, the, I don't know, the ball in Johnny Ford's hands more. Cause after that explosive run, I think he had four more uh, rushes. And I don't know, like you said, Joyner was kind of getting stuffed. And I know Ford isn't an exactly like a between the tackles runner. I don't know. You're down by a million points. I put the ball in his hands. He's a super playmaker.
2: I think you're only as good as your line and with two starters out it was really it was, again it was really hard to see where this team is really going but the talent is definitely there for the running backs that relationship just needs to just needs to grow needs to get better uh with the O line and the running backs and quarterbacks but i'm i'm all for the committee i if everyone gets like eight or nine touches a game and that's the way we're going to do it then that's the way we're going to do it because it works we just need we just need a block. And we got a couple of good defenses coming up, so this this O line really needs to really needs to prepare for what they're about to face because these running backs are going to have a hard time if this O line can't get
0: it together. Yeah, that's one of the things, um, like you said, you're only as good as your O line, really. I mean, you can have a fantastic passer, but if you're not given the the pocket or, or the time to, to get the ball off, you're gonna get stuffed and and I mean this O line in the past hasn't been great. Um, it's so many times last season I would just watch uh, who was ever in that right under center just kind of get swallowed up right after the play was snapped. So seeing this offensive line been kind of patchwork in these past couple games, um, hopefully those those starters will get back. But one of the things that leading up to this game was just talking about depth, really. Um, talking about depth of of offensive line depth in every any position, really. Um, but seeing that kind of grow is, is really just going to be super. I mean, it's been key in the past before for teams, but especially this season, when you look at it, I mean, you can have, you can have, you can have so many guys out each week. Uh, like we saw in the first game, you have your whole starting offensive line, your whole left side of your offensive line is going to be out, is out. What do you do in that situation? You got to have guys to fill into that role. Um, obviously it's hard to judge now, but. Do we think USF could build that sort of depth in in all of these positions? Do do we think they have the the talent?
1: I think they could, but, you know, it's you can't turn around a whole team in one year. We have the basics. We have the coach. We have their stepping stones and we're already doing a little bit better than last year, just like on penalties wise. Um, So I think they could, but I might I don't know if we'll see it this season.
3: I know they have four freshman backups. Yeah, I, I was trying to remember the one position where they don't have a, a freshman backup. Um, so I was just going to say that they have like young talent behind them. So, I mean, hopefully they could build on it. And then, you know, Jeff Scott's going to get his recruiting class for, again next year. So hopefully.
2: Yeah. Um, what I've seen with a lot of coaches is you can't really judge a college coach until they have their full team. So you got to wait. I would say about four years or so to really understand where, you know, where the coach is going with his, just with his like ideas. And, you know, just his, just his overall plan for the, for the school, because, you know, you recruit one, one group of freshmen, those freshmen aren't going to play. And if they do, it's maybe like one or two and you still have guys from the era before. So you really need to wait and see where, how is Jeff Scott recruiting, what is he what is he trying to do as far as offense and defense go so it's going to be a little bit uh it takes time it takes time to build a program it's not like the nfl where you can just pick up players draft players uh you know do all of that you know you really have to spend a
0: lot of time recruiting and start like build something slowly yeah, and that's one thing to hit home too I, I saw a tweet i don't remember who it was from but it made a lot of sense i mean this game in a way is is sort of a it's the remnants of the charlie strong era i mean it's going to take a while to you know for lack of better words get that stench out really um it just how that went down last season was just so you know not great for this program really and and having jeff scott come in a lot of people were so excited they're like oh he's going to turn it around it's going to be great the guy's got to have time i mean he guy's got to get who he wants um he hit the ground running with recruiting, as he basically got hired. Days after he got hired, hit that recruiting ground. And said, "You know, what? we got to get these guys in the door." And yeah, I think that's something that a lot of people seem to forget is that you know you're not going to have impact players right away. I mean, you could have a one-off freshman who comes in and you know is super good for the team, but you got to give you got to give coaches time to grow. And I think that's something that um, people really kind of need to, to to keep in their mind is that this isn't going to be a, a quick sort of deal where you can, you know, turn around the team in one season. So I definitely think um, it's a stepping stone and Jeff Scott understands that. So I think that's the most important thing um, just going forward really with this whole rest of the season. But yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a long season. It's just uh, prepare yourself for that, USF fans. 55-zip, that was the final score. Um, of this game. Again, looking at it in a vacuum, terrible score, but looking at it in the context, uh, stuff to grow on. Thanks for listening.
1: If you like what you hear, rate us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or really wherever you listen to your pods.
0: And while you're at it, be sure to follow us on Twitter at USF Oracle Sports. Special thanks to Casito and Jordan Garcia for the intro and outro music.